from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. There is an old axiom with many permutations that goes something like this. If you won't do something, someone else will. Now, in some settings, that might be good news. If we don't take care of something, we have others who will back us up and take care of it for us. However, in other settings, this is not good news at all. What if that someone else does not have your best interests at heart? What if that someone else does not share your values and moral standards? What if that someone else might even seek to do you harm? Nature abhors a vacuum and something or someone will step in to do the things we leave undone, often to our detriment. Let me give you an example. The scriptures teach that we are to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Applying the familiar axiom might sound something like this. If you won't raise up your children, someone else will. And that is exactly what has happened to a generation of children. Today, our children and grandchildren face many threats from the world, forces seeking to completely derail their values and standards. So how do we help them find the firm foundation they need? Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, Rearing Godly Children. And now may we hear the word of our God. Ephesians chapter 6, we shall begin with verse 1. May we hear the inspired and infallible word of the living God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And may God speak to us today from this portion of his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. What is it that you want? What is it that you as Christian parents want 
for your children. What do you want most as they grow up, mature, and are educated? What is the great chief goal that you have for them? Your heart's desire. Well, there was one believer who learned the answer to that question belatedly and sadly. His name was David. He was a king, and he had a son who was the apple of his eye, fair of countenance, excellent of speech, a mover of men was Absalom. But David had sinned against the Lord and had set before his family a grievous example. And now he had been told that the sword would never leave his household. And his son, Absalom, rebelled against his father. He rebelled against the king. In fact, so successful was his rebellion and insurrection that he succeeded in throwing David off his throne. And in the civil war that ensued, though David had carefully warned each of his generals to be sure that no harm came to the chief of the insurrectionists, Absalom, his son. But Absalom, while flying furiously through the forest in his chariot, his long and luxuriant locks caught into the branches of an oak tree and snatched him from the chariot and left him dangling by his hair, helpless. And Joab found out about it. Joab, the one that delivered the message from David, concerning leaving Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, with whom he had committed adultery, and having been unsuccessful in luring Uriah to sleep with his own wife to cover up his adultery, he now gave command that he be killed, that he be left in the hottest part of the battle and the army retreat behind him. Joab, however, knew that dark secret. And though he had been commanded by the king, Joab nevertheless, perhaps from some feeling of indignation or some feeling that justice would thus be served, took three darts and pierced the heart of Absalom, the son of the king. And two runners came to Jerusalem to bring tidings. And the first to arrive was Ahimaaz, and he shouted, Tidings, my lord the king! The Lord this day hath smitten thine enemies and those that have risen up against thee. But the king had only one thought. His concerns and his anxieties were not regarding the realm or the throne, but he had but one question that he asked. Is the young man, Absalom, safe? 
And Nehemiah said, I saw a tumult, but I knew not what it was. Oh, he knew all right, but he was afraid to say. And soon another runner came, Cushai by name, and he too cried, Tidings, my lord the king. The Lord hath this day smitten thine adversaries. And again, the great burden of David's heart is the young man Absalom safe. Cushai responded, May all of the king's enemies and all that rise up against thee to hurt thee be as that young man this day. And those words went like a dart into the heart of David. And he mounted the stairs to the chamber above the gates of Jerusalem. And as he went, he lamented and was overheard to lament what are probably the saddest and most poignant words to be found anywhere in all of Scripture. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. Absalom, due in part because of the sin of David, had rebelled against his father, had rebelled against the king. And David knew he had rebelled against God's anointed and thus had rebelled against God himself. And what pierced David to the heart was the knowledge that Absalom, his beloved son, the apple of his eye, was not only dead and gone, but he was lost in hell forever. Oh, Absalom, would God I could have died for thee. No sadder words have perhaps ever been penned by these. What would you as a Christian parent want much most for your children as they grow up, are trained and reared and educated? It is not that they attend an Ivy League school with distinctive title, not that they become part of Phi Beta Kappa or graduate summa cum laude, or gain their Ph.D., all of these things are but as dung compared to the one overriding desire, which unfortunately many parents do not really give the consideration that it deserves until it is tragically too late. The desire is that your child might be saved. And none of the rest without that means anything at all. 
Your child may be ever so well-educated, ever so successful, live in ever so big a home. But if his heart is desolate and empty of Christ, if his will is turned from God, if his desires are for the things of this world and his affections are set on things below and not above, then all of those things will be as meaningless as ashes in your heart. When the realization of the enormity of the tragedy has sunk in and you too will lament with David. Well, how can we rear godly children and guarantee that such an end is not theirs? Well, let me say that there is no way at all that we can guarantee how they will turn out because the children are not puppets. They do have a will of their own, and therefore a good part of the responsibility rests with them. They make their own decisions. They ultimately will decide whether to trust Christ or not, whether to serve and follow him or not. And ultimately, we cannot make that decision for them. But we can do, and the Scripture commands us, to do many things which can lead to the probability of that decision. I think those things resolve themselves into three, perhaps a three-pronged attack upon the problem, or maybe three legs to the one stool upon which rests the eternal hopes of our young people. The first one of these three legs, which are three institutions, is the home. This is most basic of all, the primary source of piety, morality, education, and citizenship is the home. And if we fail there, it is not likely that anyone else upon whom we have dumped the responsibility for doing what we have failed to do is likely to succeed. We, as we have vowed, as we have brought our children for baptism, we have vowed that we would pray with them and for them. We have vowed that we would teach them the doctrines of our holy religion. We have vowed that we would set before them a godly example. And my friends, as parents, we need to take seriously the vows that we have made. The second institution is that of the church, with its worship services and its Sunday school and its many opportunities for youth activities and study groups, fellowship. Many is the life of a young child who has come to spiritual life and been nurtured and matured in the Sunday school and services of this church and many others. Are your children in Sunday school? Do you take them or send them? And how about you adults? How many of you were in Sunday school this morning? How many of you feel that studying the Word of God is of sufficient importance that you would make the effort to spend the time to study the Word of God? 
how tragic it is that many people sp suppose that by spending one hour a week out of 168 that this is sufficient for their spiritual and eternal well-being. I urge you all to take more time to study and to show yourself approved unto God. But thirdly, there is the Christian school, an increasingly important leg of that triad is this, increasingly important as the years go by because the public school system, once the vaunted and successful institution that it was, when it was dominated by Christian world and life views, and where Christ was honored and his word was taught, where the primers at one time used in our schools were entirely of the Bible, and then the school gradually became secularized until it became supposedly neutral and today is decidedly anti-Christian in its makeup. One great theologian foresaw this perhaps before most or at least any that I know of saw the dangers that were inherent in the growing public school movement. In 1887, Dr. A. A. Hodge, the renowned professor of theology at Princeton Seminary, said this, I am as sure as I am of Christ's reign that a comprehensive and centralized system of national education separated from religion, as is now commonly proposed, will prove the most appalling injury for the propagation of anti-Christian and atheistic unbelief and of anti-social, nihilistic ethics, individual, social, and political, which this sin-rent world has ever seen. Well, what was then proposed is now a fact, a system of national education separated from religion for the first time in the history of our country, where originally all schools were religious and Christian in nature, and now this anti-Christian propaganda machine has indeed proved itself to be the most appalling enginery for the propagation of atheism that the world has ever seen. There is a Christian world and life view which is diametrically opposite to that, that there is a God who reigns in heaven above and earth beneath, and he has given to us not only his word upon which we can rely and rest our hopes and live our lives and die with joy and expectation of paradise, but also that he has given his son to make all of that possible and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We can rear godly students, godly children, even in the midst of an ungodly world. And they know that this Son of God loved them and gave himself for them and offers freely to forgive them and to give them meaning and purpose in their lives to give them a direction and a goal, to give them 
something for which to live and something for which they even could die if that is required. The home, the church, the school. The three-part triad that God has ordained should be used in order that we as fathers may, as our scripture said, bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And dear parent, are you using all three? The latter takes the greatest amount of sacrifice perchance, but my friend, what will it amount to? What will it amount to when your child graduates from high school believing nothing and goes to a college where he's taught even worse and then when he dies in an automobile accident you come to me as parents have and say where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? And at the end all of those material things that you have managed to gather by saving your money will turn to ashes in your hands. And you will, like David, lament, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son, O oh, Absalom, my son, would God I had died for thee. Ah, dear parent, before it comes to that, live for him and rear him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May we pray. Father, forgive us that we have all in some way fallen short of what you've told us to do. Make us the examples to our children that we ought to be. Help us to pray with them and for them, to teach them the doctrines of our holy religion. When we rise up in the morning and lie down at night, as we walk by the way, precept upon precept and line upon line, may we teach unto them those things that thou hast taught unto us. And may we ensure that they are not contradicted all week long by unbelievers bent upon their unbelief and their destruction. For we ask this in the name of Christ, the only Savior of men. Amen. What a powerful reminder to us all, but especially to those of us who are parents, of the privilege and responsibility we have to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But my friend, you can't do that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Do you? Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that you will be with God in heaven someday? The Bible tells us, These things I have written so that you might know that you have eternal life. Today you can know for certain that you have a relationship with the living God, that you can place your trust in Him. The scriptures tell us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Simply put, Jesus Christ took our sin, yours and mine, upon himself when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty we could never pay, 
And by doing so, he purchased a place for us in heaven and right now offers you the free gift of eternal life. That is the good news of the gospel. And if you would like to receive this gift of eternal life, you can pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I've sinned against you in my thoughts and actions. Please forgive me. I place my trust in you and thank you for paying the penalty of my sins and for offering me life to the full, both now and forever. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, this is the promise of God for you. He who believes in me has everlasting life. And to help you in your new life with Christ, we want to send you the book, Beginning Again, which is precisely what you're doing. It's our gift to you when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Be sure and ask for Beginning Again, and may God richly bless you. As Dr. Kennedy aptly notes, the most important thing you can do when raising a child is to see that they hear the good news of Jesus Christ and that they develop a personal relationship with Him. Having encouragement to grow in our relationship with Christ is one of the most important things we can do. Daily time in God's Word is vital for growth in the grace of God. And it is also beneficial to have the guidance of those who have discovered precious treasures in the Bible before us. Well, we have a powerful resource that will guide you in daily time with the Lord. It's Dr. Kennedy's daily devotional, Strength for Today, co-written with Dr. Jerry Newcomb. And we will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the continuing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. This daily devotional filled with the inspirational teaching of Dr. D. James Kennedy, as well as insights from Dr. Jerry Newcomb, will provide you with day-to-day -day words of encouragement and biblical truth to help strengthen your walk with God and to encourage you during these times of uncertainty. Dr. Kennedy once said, we were created by God to do great things, to soar high and to make an impact on our world for Him. Strength for Today is a collection of biblical truths that will help you live that out, giving you a steadfast hope only found in His Word. And if you contact us right away, you will receive this devotional in plenty of time for Christmas because it makes a great gift. And it's available exclusively through this ministry. So please, give a generous donation to help us proclaim truth and spread the gospel and we will thank you by sending you Strength for Today by D. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 
or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.